0: High is the most frustrating result in NFL football, because not only did your team not play well enough to win, they didn't get the loss they deserved, and you got to sit through an extra half-quarter of futile football for it. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. We're all frustrated and annoyed at this last game's result. But I'm here to tell you that the Steelers at 5-3 and 1 are far from a disappointment. In fact, looking at the film, looking at the numbers, looking at the stats, they're all practically a miracle. I'm going to start with some uh numbers from my snap count article this week. My Snapcard article is published at behindthesteelcurtain.com. The morning after every Steeler game, it's usually out there before lunchtime. So feel free to look for that. It's a it's a good article where we dig into who was playing, and uh, I, I I jump into analyzing a bit too. It's a good it's a good article. A lot of good stuff I get to put in there. I'm going to start with some numbers from that article, and these are all before yes uh, before the game on Sunday. This is. Right? Before this tie. Before then, in any game that JC Hassenhauer played 15 or more snaps, the Steelers were 1-4. Outside of that, they were 15-3. In games where James Washington plays 80% or more of the snaps of on offense, the Steelers are 1-8. They're 34, 13, and 1. When he doesn't play 80% or more, since 2018, if Joe Hayden misses half a game or more, the Steelers were 0 and 4. And this season, when T.J. Watt is healthy and playing most of the game, the Steelers are 5 and 1. When he missed a significant chunk, they were 0 and 2. All of those things happened on Sunday. J.C. Hassenhauer played half the game. James Washington played over 80% of snaps. Joe Hayden missed almost the entire game. And T.J. Watt missed like two-thirds of the game. And the Steelers managed a tie with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. That's impressive. When you look at the players that were left on the field, when you look at the players who were injured, when you look at the players that just haven't been there this season, and you look at this result, It kind of changes the angle where you look at it and you say, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe this was just a game that we should have lost and the Steelers managed to tie it, right? They managed to tie a game where everything else said, yep, this is that game you lose, even to Detroit, even to the Lions, or maybe it's any other team would have beaten the Steelers with all of these things going on and the Steelers playing poorly, but the Lions managed to still not win this game. You can look at it either way. The Steelers are fortunate to come out of that game with a tie just based on who was playing. But really it's not just this tie. This is a, this is a conversation I've been, I've been building towards for several weeks. I've been waiting for the Steelers to prove me wrong. It's not happened. And so I was kind of thinking, this is the week I'm going to break this out. I was expecting to break out this argument and talk about this topic after a win this week. But I'm I'm breaking it out after a tie. The Steelers are fortunate to have five wins. Fortunate from a perspective of looking at the talent on the field. Let's look at the roster. They lost a bunch of talent from last year. They lost a lot of continuity. They replaced... Starters, long-time starters with rookies, young guys with no pedigree, undrafted guys. And then in the offseason, they lost more players In the during training camp and during preseason. They lost more players from that already depleted roster. Then they started the season, and they lost Tyson Alu-Alu. That was a huge loss at that point. James Pierre in 2020 was a surprising guy at the bottom of the Steelers depth chart. This year, he's been in dime. He's had some growing pains. He's had some growing pains. He's a second-year player who was an undrafted free agent. He's shown a lot of promise. He's stepped up big, but he's still, you still got to understand, he's a second-year player. He's still a second-year player who played very, very little last season. And this is really, he's had one real offseason in the NFL. He's out there playing significant chunks of time. This game, he was their number two cornerback. Last year, he was on the practice squad playing special teams, bottom of the roster, undrafted free agent rookie this year. In this game, he was their number two guy. Trey Norwood is a seventh round pick rookie. Playing his first season. Arthur Millette is a cheap journeyman. These are the guys that on the roster replaced Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton. Sutton was here, he was the number four cornerback. All right, So now instead of, you know, Steven Nelson, Mike Hilton, Cameron Sutton, you've got Cameron Sutton, then James Pierre, Arthur Millette, and Trey Norwood. It's a big drop-off. That's a significant drop-off. Another thing that is showing up is I've I've been able to talk about Joe Hayden being a big benefit to this team. This year, he doesn't look the same. Now, there's two possibilities. One is age is finally catching up to him a bit, and you're seeing a bit more of a drop-off. You're seeing another, another layer in the slow decline happen, and this time he can't fully just cover for it. The other possibility, and the film kind of backs this up, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards it's kind of a combination of both. Uh, but the Steelers haven't been able to give him help like they used to, like they did the last couple of seasons. Because, especially in nickel and dime, there's guys out there that, that need help. Cameron Sutton receives a little more help than Stephen Nelson did. And those young guys, they have to have that help. Minka Fitzpatrick, accordingly, I'm just talking about who they have to help. Minka has gone from a playmaker, a guy that just erased huge chunks of the field, and if you threw on him, you you were it was coming back the other way, to a guy who is a primary tackler on this team. He's he's tackling running backs consistently. <laughs> like he's leading this team in tackles. That's not where you want him to be. When Minka Fitzpatrick gets a tackle, it should be, you know. Tackling a receiver at the catch point like we saw previous seasons where he breaks on that and just hits them right as they catch the ball. It should be coming up and making plays when he just reads a play and says, boom, I know where you're going, like he did against Kyler Murray on the goal line two years back. Those are the plays you want Minka Fitzpatrick to be making. But these days, Minka Fitzpatrick is saving plays by tackling guys that would otherwise be getting breaking off big runs. He's also missed some tackles. He's a free safety trying to tackle running backs. You're going to miss some of those running backs. Honestly, when you look at it from a running back perspective, if that was if that was your running back, you'd be sitting there saying, "Come on, man! You can't just consistently let that safety dry, You know, get you every single play. You've got to break that tackle. You've got to break those." We all remember Jerome Bettis when he got loose in the secondary. Man, he was breaking the first guy that got to him. If we face that kind of running back with this defense right now, oh gosh, i would be bad. That would be bad. We look at the linebackers. Devin Bush is not the same player he was before his injury last year. He's not that guy right now. I've been saying that a lot, uh, and I'm not willing to rule out that he could get back there. I, I really I really hope he can. But he's, right now, he's not that guy. He may never be... That Devin Bush again, that Devin Bush who was looking like the Steelers got a guy on the, on the level of a Ryan Shazier that was going to develop like that. And he was taking steps. He was rounding out his game. He was getting better. And then that injury happened. And he's not the same player now. Joe Shobert is all right. He's a good enough linebacker. He's not an asset. We, we talked about this in the preseason as a player, someone you have to cover for. is Are they someone who can come in and just do their job? Or are they someone who can come in, do that job, and give you more? Either cover for someone else's weaknesses or give you a benefit. You know, could take their job but also be aggressive and, and turn their job into a positive impact on the defense and not just be solid. Schobert's not an asset. He's not an asset in this regard. And so far what we're talking about here is you're talking about Minka's an asset but he's having to use his strengths to cover other players' weaknesses, not use those strengths to be making plays. If we had cornerbacks who didn't need as much help, he'd be able to make more plays. He'd be able to rely on them. We're leaning on corner, on the outside cornerbacks more than we used to because the inside guys aren't as good. When it was Sutton and Hilton, you could, you could trust those interior cornerbacks a lot. Norwood and Millett aren't the same category. They're not in that category. The defensive line used to cover for a lot on this defense in previous years. Stephon Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, Cameron Hayward. It didn't matter if your coverage wasn't good. You know that's okay because that front line is mauling that offensive line, and you're they don't have time to throw. They gotta get rid of the ball. You don't have to cover very long. And oftentimes the Steelers, you would see mistakes in coverage that didn't hurt the Steelers. Because the quarterback was stuck on his first read because he had two seconds to throw the ball. First read, oh, no, go. You just have to throw it. You don't have time. Ah, It's a little different these days. A little bit different these days. Chris Wormley, we've talked about him a lot. He's not a starter. He's doing a good job this season as a number four defensive lineman thrust into the number two spot. The guys behind Chris Wormley are just guys. They're depth pieces. They're depth pieces that have like, specific skill sets. Like if you were down Chris Wormley and you needed a, a rotational defensive lineman, you could use Henry Mondo when you wanted a pass rusher. And you could use Isaiah or let or Isaiah Loudermilk when you want a run stuffer. These are guys that could step in and play for a bit and be good for a game or two. But the roles they're being asked to play now... They're not suited for. They're in over their head. You've got career bottom of the depth chart level players. Well, I mean, louder milk, we don't know. Maybe he can be more than that. But he was a fifth-round pick, and he's a rookie. He's not that guy now. He's not at all that guy. We don't know if he ever will be. He may become, uh, you know, if his upside is uh, a Tyson Alu-Alu, you know, absolutely dominant against the run. And his pass rush ability is, I will drive the person in front of me back towards the quarterback. And just, you know, mess with the pocket. And that's all he brings. That would be a great career for Isaiah Loudermilk. He's a rookie right now. He gives you literally nothing in pass rush. We have TJ Watt. We have Alex Highsmith. But honestly, let's look at Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith is inconsistent in his production. He's shows a lot of solid play. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I like Alex Highsmith. I think he's a good player. He's not yet at the level Bud Dupree was when Bud Dupree was, you know, before Bud Dupree left. He's not 2019 Bud Dupree. He's not that guy. He's a significant drop-off from that. He may get to that level. But he's shown flashes that he has that kind of potential. But right now, in all honesty... There's guys all over the NFL that are at Alex Highsmith's level right now. He isn't a special player yet. He's not that dude. Melvin Ingram was sitting there saying, I'm better than Alex Highsmith, and you could make that argument. I would lean on Alex Highsmith. I would lean towards Alex Highsmith. I don't think Melvin Ingram was that great. He had a very specific skill set where he was strong. Alex Highsmith's a slightly different player. But looking at this defense, really, You've got Cameron Hayward, you've got T.J. Watt, you've got Minka Fitzpatrick, and what else? What else do you have on this defense? Three players are not on defense. Even if they're, you know, really, really good. Cameron Hayward and T.J. Watt are guys on, like, in my opinion, they're, they're on that Hall of Fame level of play track. They're on a Hall of Fame track with their current level of play. That's the kind of players they are. But that's two players. Minka Fitzpatrick is really good, and when the system fits him, he can be great. But he's not an easy fit into just any system, and he's not a true free safety. He's just a really good football player. Yesterday, fourth quarter, overtime, who was the Steelers' third best defender? Cameron Hayward's number one, Minka Fitzpatrick's number two, who was number three? It was Terrell Edmonds. When your third best defender is a guy that two years ago we were saying was the weak link in the Steelers' defense. In this game, he was their number three guy. There were eight players on the field that I would would rank worse than him. I, I think you'd be hard to make an argument that he wasn't the third best player on that defense. James Pierre had a really good game. Terrell Edmonds had a better one. He he did more too. He was responsible for a lot. He carries a lot of responsibility on this team, and he was a good player. If Terrell Edmonds is your third best defender, are you a good defense? I'm gonna go with probably not. Most teams, if he was your best, you'd be like, yeah, maybe not. No, we're not. We're not a great team. We're not. We're not a great defense, and yet this defense nearly won this game. They outplay their talent. That's the lesson I want you to take away from this, is that this defense is a defense that has consistently, this season, outplayed what talent they currently have on their roster. They play better than they should. 5-3 and on a team that's been winning games based on their defense. They're doing that with a defense that a lot of teams have more talent. A lot of teams out there have more talent than this defense. And this defense is finding ways to get it done. You look at the yardage they gave up in this game. They gave up all those runs. They gave up 16 points. All that rushing yardage, all those things, they found ways to keep points off the board. They consistently do it. They're not a great defense, but they consistently find ways to keep points off the board. They're outplaying their talent. And, and I think that is something Steeler fans need to really consider because often we act like this team is incredibly talented and so disappointing. And we like to, oh, it must be the coaches are bad. Look at the actual talent left on this team. This is not a talented defense. That's our first half of this show. Second half, we're going to dig into the offense. Offense. So if you, if you thought this half was kind of a downer, <laughs> stay tuned when we talk about the Steelers' offense. That's going to be fun. All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the break. We'll get these commercials out of the way, and then we'll be back for more from the Cutting Room Floor. Woo! Welcome back Steeler fans, I'm Jeffrey Benedict, and this is the Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor, as always, is brought to you by Behind the Steel Curtain and their network of podcasts. If you're not listening to a whole bunch of our podcasts, you're missing out. Uh, if you haven't gone on one of the evenings when we, uh, when we do live YouTube shows, those are great. They're on YouTube and Facebook. They're live. That's a fun time. Great community in the live chat talking. Uh, there, there are times I do a, our, you know, know your enemy show I do with Michael Beck, where I catch myself looking down and reading the uh, the live chat from the YouTube channel, and, and I'll I'll be thinking about that, and I'll be getting into my head, and I'm thinking about a conversation there, and all of a sudden I realize, wait, 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 I've got you know my my questions coming up next. I gotta I gotta have something intelligent to ask this guest that we have on the show. Oh, uh, it's fun, but it's a great time. You should be there. You should be checking it out. Uh, also, check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for my articles, my film rooms. Uh, it's It's been a difficult season, I can tell you, doing film rooms. NFL Game Pass, if you don't know, it has changed their format. It's a mess. And that's, like, the only way you can get all 22 film from the NFL legally. It's legally the only way you can get it, and uh, it's an absolute mess this season but still putting out content still doing our best there's a lot of people out there all dealing with the same problems it's a, it's a level playing field for all the different guys trying to break down film around the NFL so we're making do and putting out some good stuff so check out behindthesteelcurtain.com check out the other podcasts on our network get your steelers stuff you know get your get the best steelers coverage you're going to get with a local feel from people who are passionate about this team First half of the show, we talked about the defense, and we talked about the Steelers, and how really, in my opinion, when you look at the film and you look at the talent that is left on this team, the Steelers are outplaying their talent right now. That's on defense. We're going to look at the offense. The offense, statistically, has been a major disappointment this year. Major disappointment. Like, we are one of the worst offenses in the NFL. We're 26th in yards per attempt in the passing game, net yards per attempt. We're 27th in rushing, 24th in points per drive, 25th in yards per drive. Overall, we're the we rank 26th in points scored. I said in the first half, the, the Steelers' defense is finding ways to keep points off the board. The Steelers' defense right now is 28th in yards per rush allowed. Yards per rush, they are 28th. One of the worst run defending teams in the league. They don't get interceptions, and they're actually giving up more yards per attempt than the Steelers' passing game is getting. And yet they are 8th. In total points allowed. Seventh. If you go by per drive, they are seventh in the NFL in points allowed per drive. That's good. That was really good. They're they're, they're basically, in scoring defense, they're a top 10 defense. In everything else, they're not. They just find ways to keep points off the board. The offense... The offense scores exactly as much as it looks like they should. If you look at their execution, you look at their stats; they do. But I want to go beyond that. I want to—I don't want to just talk about the points scored and things because it's easy. It's easy to look at one or two players. It's easy to say, "Oh, that's Ben Roethlisberger." Oh, that's Mason Rudolph's fault. Or, "Oh, that's that's Coach Matt Canada's fault." You know, it's easy to do that. So I want to do a little. I want to do a little uh, comparison here. I want to look at the Steelers' offense and the talent they have versus what the Browns had. We'll go before the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, right? Steelers are towards the bottom of the league in offense. The Browns are in the middle in scoring. The middle of of the pack in their scoring. So there's a difference between us, but not a huge one. But I want to go by roster positions, and look and say, where would our best players at each position rank on the Browns' offense? I'm going to skip quarterback because that's that's a big mess. Let's skip quarterback, and beyond that, let's look at the other people. Who's there? So starting with running back, I love Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the best player on the Steelers' offense. He would rank behind Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb would start. You'd have Najee as your number two. That'd be an absolutely ridiculous backfield. Uh, And Kareem Hunt would be your number three. I'd put Najee Harris clearly above Kareem Hunt and behind Nick Chubb. Partly because Najee's a rookie. I think if he had that offensive line, there's a chance he could overtake Chubb and even be better than him. But Nick Chubb is an absolute monster of a running back. And I would start him over Najee Harris. Going to tight end. Pat Fryermuth currently... Uh, I think he would be the number two behind an Austin Hooper. He probably starts that season number three, moves up to number two. I think at this point of the season, he would be pushing for that number one spot because I think Friar Muth is playing absolutely outstanding football. But we saw that fumble. We've seen some. We've seen some down plays. I don't know if he is a guy that that would overtake an Austin Hooper for number one, but I think he would be pushing for it. But I would rank him number two. You look at wide receiver. Steelers' best wide receiver right now is Deontay Johnson. Or would Deontay Johnson rank in a Browns offense with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., even if even not the New York version of Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., the Cleveland version. I think DJ would be after both of those. I think Deontay Johnson would be the number three guy there. And in an offense that had a Jarvis Landry, like I I honestly, I'm going to say this. I think Jarvis Landry is. A better version of Deontay Johnson. They're they're very much a similar player, and I'd take Jarvis Landry over Deontay Johnson. Watching the film, looking at what they do. Now, the offense doesn't favor Jarvis Landry as much, and his quarterback situation is worse. I think, in my opinion, Uh, but I think Jarvis Landry is a better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson. When you look at that offensive line for the Browns, right? What Steeler would play? Like, literally the only Steeler that I would say, "Mm, I'll take over their Browns one, is probably Dotson. And that's close. That's a close call. I think that's Joel Batonio versus Kevin Dotson. I'd take Dotson. But not by much. Most people probably wouldn't. I'm very high on Kevin Dotson. I think most people would say that that not a single Steeler would be a starter there. And there'd be a decent chunk of the Steelers that wouldn't even be backups. Like, the Browns, like, gosh. Yeah, you you probably don't have some of those players even on the roster. Dan Moore Jr. wouldn't be on the roster in that situation. He'd be off the roster. He's a starter here. Kendrick Green probably not. He might be, you know, bottom of the depth chart guy that they're holding on to. And waiting for him to develop. The Steelers' offensive line, their skill positions. All across the board, you look at what Cleveland has, and you'd say, okay, yeah, all across the board, I think their offense, outside of quarterback, is better than the Steelers, talent-wise. Just the talent and production and, and their, the, what they've done in their career, what they put on film, their ability to make a difference in an offense. I, I would take almost all of Cleveland's players over Pittsburgh's at each position. There would be a few spots, like for example, Najee. I think I think can push Chubb a bit. Uh, Fryer Muth. I think at this point of the season would be pushing for the number one tight end. Maybe maybe Kevin Dotson. And that's it. If you want a team that is underperforming their talent that they have, you you've got one right there in Cleveland, right here in the AFC North. You've got Cleveland. When you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, what do they have? Again, you've got two rookies starting on the offensive line. You've got Trey Turner, who, I mean, the hype for him was maybe he can get back to playing more like he did six years ago instead of being the guy he was. And you know what? He has. He's gotten. He's been solid for us. He's not a really good offensive lineman anymore. He's solid now. You get him. I mean, really, he, he's Ramon Foster. You know, a few years ago, Ramon Foster, not not very last season where his play was clearly slipping, but like a year or two up before that, that's that's Trey Turner right now. He's, he's Ramon Foster. Kendrick Green is showing promise, showing potential. He's not there yet. He's not the guy you want starting at center. He's probably going to be in the future. I think I, I think he's showing some good growth and I think you think he's showing promise for the future, but he's not that guy. Chekwomokora, he's he's a he's a good swing tackle. If he's your swing tackle, hey, you know, that's a good one to have. He's not the starter you want. Dan Moore Jr. is man, he 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 goes between dang, he's a good run blocker to Oh my gosh, what is he doing out there? You know, like Marcus Gilbert before, before Munchak came. That's where Dan Moore Jr. is. He's, he's Marcus Gilbert before Mike Munchak showed up. And you're just like, okay, there's, there's places where you're really good. And there's places where, man, we, we got to get something better. With Kevin Dotson out, this offense was in bad shape. When Joe Hegg left the field. The Pittsburgh Steelers had their backup center and their swing tackle playing guard. And guard has been the best spot on this line. The Steelers' offensive line has been led by their two guards this season. And all of a sudden, Kevin Dotson is replaced by J.C. Hassenhauer. Trey Turner is replaced by Joe Hegg. What do you have on offensive line anymore? Before, before Kevin Dotson left the game, the Steelers have run... Well, I should say that because there was one run. Uh, J.C. Hassenhauer came in for Kevin Dotson. His he came in right before the uh, the run by Najee Harris. It was a touchdown that was called back by a, for a hold uh, by Dan Moore Jr. Hassenhauer was in for that play, right? From that play onward, and in, in fact, I'll go a little farther. That play was an inside run that was bounced outside. When it was bounced outside, is when that became a hold. It, it was a it was a hold. Dan Moore Jr. needs to be quicker than that uh, to reacting to the change in the play direction. But part of the reason that went outside is J.C. Hassenhauer got decent push on the defensive tackle, but not at all what you're getting from Kevin Dotson. I mean, he didn't lose the the match. He just didn't really win it. It was kind of kind of a stalemate. And I also want to say, J.C. Hassner played a really good game. I was—I've talked about him last season, where he, uh, his entrance into the into the Steelers offensive line, uh, was forecasted doom for the team because he was so far down the depth chart. He was an undrafted, you know, rookie. Like he, he wasn't the guy you want in there. He has improved a lot. He's a significantly better player, and he's a good backup now. But going from a Kevin Dotson to a solid backup. It's that's that's not good. That's that's not good for your offense. Since that play where uh Dan Moore got called for holding on what should, would have otherwise been a touchdown, from that point on, the Steelers ran the ran Najee Harris 14 times and gained 45 yards. That's 3.2 yards for carry. Before that touchdown holding got called back by a holding call. They had ran Harris twelve times and gained sixty yards. That's five yards per carry. One point eight yards per carry difference before that play, and after that play, when J.C. Hassenhauer kind of took over for Kevin Dotson, that's not helping your offense, you know. And once that kind of went down, I mean, that was that was in the second quarter, I think, and that was uh, that would. That touchdown would have taken us up 14. We would have 14 points. We got to 16 in the end. We settled for a field goal there and would eventually make it to 16. If the Kevin Dotson is in there, we likely have a touchdown on that drive. Steelers were moving the ball. We likely get a touchdown. We likely win that game. And that's an offense that frankly is not very good. Even when Ben Roethlisberger's playing, even when the other guys are playing and scoring, we're bad. We're legitimately bad at scoring points. To the point that we're we're right now relying on Pat Fryermuth to make ridiculous catches in the end zone in order to score points and score touchdowns. It's not a good offense. And the results are showing it. My thoughts on this team are that both on offense and defense they're they're not very good. Defense is outplaying their level. This should be a solid defense when healthy. Not a top 10 defense. Not really. And yet in scoring they are even when they are losing more players. I just don't you don't go into a season with Chris Wormley As your number two defensive lineman with James Pierre, Trey Norwood, and Arthur Millette playing significant snaps. Joe Hayden and Cameron Sutton starting cornerbacks, that's not a great duo. That's not great. The strength of this defense right now is their safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. And when you're expecting your safeties to be the stars of your team, to be the most impactful, you know, position on your team, that's rough. Because they don't, you know, they're, they're not sacking the quarterback. Well, I mean, Terrell Edmonds got to sack this game, a pretty good one. But they're, you know, they're they're keeping things from getting out of hand. And they've been doing that. They've been keeping a lid on things. Look at their scoring defense. Again, teams are able to drive down the field, but they're not able to punch it in. To me, the Steelers across the board are outplaying their talent that they have right now. They're outplaying the talent on the field. And I think that's a credit to the coaching staff, which is something we hear from players. We, they've got great coaches in Pittsburgh. As fans, we like to think the players are better and the coaches are the problem, because that's an easier fix than accepting the reality that a age, the timing of the offensive line, retirements from people, and especially the cap hit for COVID. Really hurt this team and broke it up. And the team said, okay, instead of, you know, messing around and trying to subvert the salary cap and do all this craziness that other teams are some of the other teams tried to do, like the Chiefs, and you know, it hasn't worked out for them well either. The Steelers kind of took a hit and said, We're gonna have to let a lot of people go. And we're not gonna be as good this year. And yet we're five and three. Five, three, and one now. I don't think the Steelers are a team that's going to push for the playoffs. Do they have a chance to? Uh, Mathematically, yeah, they do. I don't think they're a playoff team. I mean, look at the roster. Look at the talent. This isn't a playoff team. Who's leading this team to the playoffs? The offense is terrible. When healthy, the offense is terrible. Your your defense has a few star players on it. And really, each week we're in games because TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward are just dominating. Absolutely dominating. And Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds are keeping things from getting out of hand when they get past those guys. Like people can blame the coaches, people can blame all they want, but the reality is this team this is a rebuild. This is how the Steelers rebuild. And I I I think I think we're looking at an eight eight and one season. I just, it's just, it's too perfect with hopefully better things to come in the future. But this, this is the down. This is the downtime. Well, hopefully this is the most uh, downer episode I have to do this season. And we can look at positive things going forward. But this is it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the, the curtain call. To oh My gosh, the curtain call. To the cutting room floor. Make sure you check out all the other Behind the Seal Curtain podcasts and the website. Most of all, enjoy what's left of this football season. Don't don't let it get you down. Enjoy watching the growth. Enjoy watching your players do their best. Enjoy Ben's last season. He's having really a, a really good last season where he is proving a lot of doubters wrong about his, his character about his work ethic, his ability to to learn and do different things, and his willingness to, you know, take hits, to, to make plays. Enjoy this. And we'll worry about the future in the future. All right, have a good week.